So this is episode zero. Indeed. Or 0.1. No, you're thinking of episode negative one? No, I'm thinking of 0.1. No, last time, the, the one that... Well, that might have been negative one, but this would be 0.1. That's excessively nerdy. I think just episode zero. No, I don't like zero because that sounds like the episode isn't happening. No, it's it's the beginning. I feel as if we might not ever progress past episode zero. Better to call at the it, rate we're going. Better to call it zero point one. I believe. What is it called? Do we have a name? R- yes, we I, do. I forgot it. It's the cyberloquium. <laughs> I'm quite sure that's not what it's called. That was that. Uh, it's this is the the faculty cyberloquium. A discussion about uh, an erudite, erudite discussion of law and law and policy. I cannot possibly have agreed to participate in something called cyberloquium. No, no, you're right. Now that I think about it, it's the uh, faculty webinar. That's that doesn't they don't see that that doesn't come across what you just did. The look on my face, right? The look of horror and surprise. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't possibly have agreed to participate in anything called that either. I say that because I will not actually use the word you used. This is the Webeloquium. No, the, the <laughs> actual title of this podcast, and it, we have to stick with it because I already registered the domain. Oh, cool. Like a year ago. Yeah. Oral argument. Nice. See, that's good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't involve the prefix cyber. Mm-hmm. It does not involve some bodlerization of the word seminar. Mm-hmm. So I approve. Well, and it's got argument in it, and you know, oral because we're talking and everything. And right, and we've been arguing already. I feel like we should maybe episode ten should be the one where we just get all the jokes out of the way about the name. But okay. for now, let's we'll just skip past that and uh, and and talk a little bit. Sure. Um, and an argument because I don't think we, you and I, ever have a discussion where you don't get irritated with me within like half an hour. Isn't that isn't that right? Um, no, I disagree with that totally. Ooh. Having just demonstrated thereby that it's true. Right. Usually there's profanity. There often is. Mm-hmm. Will we want That's profanity? true with everybody in my family, too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Will we want profanity to occur on this recording? I'll bleep it all out. Oh, you will? This okay. is a family podcast. All right. Do you have some kind of squelch beep button over there or something I'll, like that? I'll do something. Nice. I'll do something. When you say family, <laughs> you make it sound like people in families don't swear. But they do. No, I know they do, yeah. So to say it's a family podcast is really not to answer the question whether or not I can use profanity, such as, well, I'm not going to. No, no, no. What I mean is this is a podcast, a wholesome podcast featuring good old-fashioned family values. (laughs) (laughs) They cannot see your face. I told you that already. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. This is not a video. This is not a video (laughs) podcast or a vodcast or whatever you would call it. What did you just a say? A vid podcast. What? Or, what? They can't see my. They can't see my face. Right. What is the podcast about? I don't know. All right. Anymore. Well, I'll. I'll. I'll let, let's do it like this. Okay. All right. We're going to figure out what the podcast is about. Cool. And I'll start with a list of things. Nice. And then you throw stuff into the list. Okay. You can't delete from it. So oh. if someone says something, we got. Well, eventually we'll talk about it. Let's do it that way. All right. Um, law. Hold on, I don't get to take things off the list. No, no. If it's on the list, we get we have to talk about this it. This is very bad. You this get to talk. You get to make stuff too. Beware the one way ratchet, people. Uh, law, legal theory, policy, politics, 
computers, geek stuff, uh, movies that I like, um, coffee. I now know why you said I couldn't take things off the list. What? What? what now you can't. But what would you take off the list? If you movies could? you like as a topic for discussion in this podcast. Huh. Yeah, that's I a shame think, you can't take stuff off the list. If you know, I think if, like... if anything, it should be um, movies that we both like. Are are there? There are many movies that we oh, both okay. like. All right. No, there are. That's true. That's true. Um. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, the movies that I like will be ones that you also like. But if you, if you don't like one, I think that'll make for good for good podcasting. That could be. That I mean, could be. So, are these movies? Do they have to be about law? What you mean, like the Pelican Brief and stuff like that? Or my cousin Vinny, <laughs> which is a terrific movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they don't have to be about the law. I think Marissa Tomei won an Oscar for that movie. She might have. Do you like the Oscars? I don't like the Oscars. No, not necessarily. Well, do I like them? I mean, I, I like um, I like it when people in a field gather together to recognize accomplishments in their field. So whether it's the Golden Globes or the Screen Actors Guild or the Academy Awards, it's I think there's something nice about that. Why do they always get it wrong, though? <laughs> That is an interesting question. I mean, so, you know, why why, should, why tune in and be disappointed with the bad decisions that they make? Well, maybe the fun is just in knowing who the nominees are. Maybe that's the, maybe you get most of the fun there. It's like right. looking in the box to see if Schrodinger's cat is alive or dead. The fun part is just thinking about the cat being in the box, not necessarily looking in the box. Right? Yeah, the animal people are going to be mad at us already. Are you, you're an animal person, though. I am, but I talked about a cat. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, uh, do you have anything to add to the list? How does that sound to you? No, those are great. Law teaching. Law teaching and, and law students. Yeah, it's like that, no matter where we record this thing, we get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Darcy. Um, the Once you mentioned law and policy, you've mentioned virtually everything already. In the world? Pretty much. Because yeah. if it's germane to policy... And policy is of itself a very sweeping category. Yeah. So law is about the rules, and, and policy is like stuff people disagree about. And since people disagree about everything, you know. Policy is stuff people disagree about? Basically, yeah. Policy is choosing stuff in, 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 in a field in which people disagree. Yeah, what does policy mean in law? Policy in law... I, no, I didn't say law and policy. No, you didn't say law and policy, but I'm asking about what, what does policy mean in a discussion where you're also quite focused on law, which you've just said is the rules. Yeah, policy is the reasons for doing stuff. Reasons for doing stuff. That sounds... Um, policy. Hmm. I'm, I don't want to get bogged down in a terminological debate, even though I we will get there. We will get there. Questions that suggest I do mm -hmm. want to get bogged down in a terminological debate. Can we get can, Darcy? Can you come over here and scratch right next to the? There we go. <laughs> yeah, the, it would be nice if we could pick up a louder version of that tinkling sound. That could be our little tagline. Oh yeah, that could be a tagline, or it could be the subtitle of our podcast: that tinkling sound. That you're talking about urination now. Oral argument colon that Ur tinkling sound. Yeah, 
No, it sounds like peeing. Um, and we, we so we're, we're thinking weekly, and we think that we're going to explore these topics by talking with other people. Yes, like episode zero. This is just you and me, right? In general, though, we're going to have other people on. We're going. Do you think we'll have a guest every week? I don't know. I think I we know. won't have one every week. It may be the same guest a lot of weeks. Mm. Like eventually, like it'll be uh, my wife Meredith. Um, because we couldn't get anyone else. Okay. But that's not, I mean, that, look, that's a great get. Totally. That's a great get. Totally. I don't mean to say that's not a good get. I, nor would I tolerate you saying that it well, weren't a great no, get. No, of course not. Was it would ne- why would I say that? I wouldn't say that. Uh, no, I wouldn't mean that. Nor would I. Uh, eventually, it may be my son, Rigel. No. He may be on one I day. draw the line at Rigel. Why, why is that? I think he needs to age into the possibility. I think right now, uh, I think he might find the level of impulse control required to appear on a podcast <laughs> even as a guest i think he might find that too challenging <laughs> we but we have that you think i'm thinking only of myself at his age i had very poor impulse control as i think most young men do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have excellent impulse control now you're saying no i've just become considerably more tired <laughs> so the energy for acting on those impulses is reduced yeah yeah well, so so that may be, and and then we may just we may resort to calling random people to fill the slots. <laughs> Not crank calling, but just random calling. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be a crank. We tell them who we are, what yeah. we're doing. It would be totally legit. We're right. on the up and up. Yeah, we're going to record this. Are you okay with that? Yeah, it wouldn't be spoofing. No, I don't think so. So we're going to call. You know, we may call lawyers. We may call law professors. Okay. We may call people who very much dislike the law. Oh. Uh, we may call. Um, who's that? Who's the, who's in that category? People uh, who very much dislike the law, and we're going to call anarchists. Yeah, I think you know people at the tail end of a divorce, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, that well. kind of thing. Uh, or, or business people who have had to interact with lawyers and 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 uh, and dislike them. Mm. Now, uh, but maybe we'll, we'll talk with people who love them. Yeah. When we have guests, yes, I think as you may have intuited or inferred from earlier behaviors of mine, I think it would be good to have a list of questions that we try to use with all our guests. It's interesting because it also lets you, in addition to if they're well-chosen questions, they let you uh, quickly draw out fun and interesting things. In addition to that, if you keep using the same questions over and over again, you can start to make comparisons person to person and you, you sort of develop a Maybe a more- I think this is a great idea because we can do that and then at the end of the year, we can look at all the responses we got and we can rank people. <laughs> and we wouldn't be lawyers if we weren't ranking right. things. We're going to count them down. If we weren't... Casey Kasem style. If we weren't little hierarchy monkeys, mm-hmm. we would hardly be lawyers. Hmm. Uh, so I had, I had, uh, um, so I, I have some questions for you then. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. And then I also have two topics. Oh, today. Wh- um, wow. We're, it's amazing. Okay. Two topics. Yeah. What yeah. are the questions? Don't worry. We're going to cut all this out. All right. Um, you're going to, uh, you're going to beep this out. Uh, two, 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 two topics for today. Grading. Okay. Duck dynasty. Can I, can Ding. I just, can I just right off the bat, give an <laughs> F to duck dynasty? You, what do you mean give an F? You mean it's you, you said we're going to talk about grading and we're yeah. going to talk about Duck Dynasty. And, oh. my, and so I want to give an F You're, as a grade to Duck Dynasty. Have you actually seen the show? No. I've not either. That, that, but that, that lack of familiarity with the basic underlying 
issue shouldn't stop us from opining. Of course not. I mean, we got to talk about this. No, I have seen, I will say, I have not seen an episode. I haven't even seen a significant fraction of an episode. I have seen snippets, little video clips, probably none more than 20 or 30 seconds long. And I probably haven't seen any like more than four. All right, let, let's let's cue this up then, because I all I've seen is a picture of the dude. What are the questions? You said you had questions. These are questions for you. Like we're going to ask questions of the guest. Oh, okay, but we're going to do that later, not with the topic. We'll just split it up. Who knows when it's going to come? Okay, you know, you know, you know, let's just you're going to surprise. Let's me. go with it. Let's just go. So with it. So I think we should maybe in the only, middle of one of these topics, I'll pop. I out think one. we should not only use questions with the guests. I think we should consider giving the guests the questions in advance. Oh, it sounds deadly. No, it, it lets them think. It lets them stew. Law professors like to stew on things. Yeah, that in my experience, though, um, that stewing doesn't produce better results. Mm. Well, there's we a could, trade-off. Yeah. Of the person's greater comfort at having had a chance to stew. Mm-hmm. And do you run a risk that it's a little stale? It's a little too, you know, polished? Well, or, something that's been over-stewed is not stale, though, right? Bland, whatever. What's the right word for? I don't know. That's been overstewed. Uh, gelatinous. I don't know what you're stewing over there. Well, I'm just saying you just... making gelatin. You well, stewing okay. horse hooves. Um. So what are we talking? Doug Dynasty. Okay. So as far as I can tell, there's, there's this there's this guy who's uh, said all kinds of offensive stuff about gays uh, based on his knowledge of particular parts of the Bible that he's interested in. Right. And black folks and people who believe in the Shinto religion in Japan. I didn't see that. What the, what the hell is that? Yeah, what's this is all the... part of the same GQ interview. He ranted about a number of topics. One of the topics... This is the guy with the really long beard, right? They all have long beards. Do they? Um, yeah. Now, what, are there ducks in the show? Have yeah. you seen... What's the, I don't yeah. even know the premise of there this are thing. Du- the, the, the premise is <sighs> that their fortune, such as it is, and it may be considerable... Uh, their fortune comes from the fact that they make duck calls. Oh, these are for hunters? Sure. We're okay. For people who want to call their ducks, for whatever reason. And they make these duck calls, and apparently they're quite premium, superlative duck calls. These duck, these pieces okay. of wood that work in a particular way. So that's that's their business. So what what is the show about? It's about them. It's about this family of people, um, you know... The, the the guy who gave the interview in GQ is sort of the, the patriarch of this family, I gather. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's got sons and he's got brothers and I think they all live in Louisiana and carry on in various ways. So is it like voyeurism and laughing at backwoods people? Is that why people watch this? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, seen it. I, not watching it, I, I can't. Obviously, I'm not I, saying they're backwoods, but I've never seen it. I don't know what the, uh, yeah. And right. And, I, and again, I've only seen little clips. So I don't know quite what the answer to your question is, but like what's motivating someone to tune in to A&E to see this? I'm not, right. I'm not sure. I do think, yeah, part of it is, I, I th- what I, my understanding is that the people in this family who are the focus of this show call themselves rednecks and they embrace it, embrace that and uh, celebrate that. And get a kick out of it, right? So I guess if they, you're they tuning love being to, exemplars of their culture. Yeah. So if you're tuning in to share with them that they think this is great and and that's the basis on which you're watching the program to yuck it up with them about the stuff they 
think is funny in that context. I did, you guess. Ever see, did you ever see Hillbilly Hand Fishing? <laughs> no, what is that? Oh, it's a great show. I only saw one episode, or maybe two. There, that's a show of which there is more than one episode? I, it doesn't seem like it didn't seem like it was going to sustain to me. So the, the idea is they, they get awfully specific. They get, they get a guy who wears, I think like, you know, he's a, he's trying to look like a stereotypical hillbilly type. Although I think it was out in like an Oklahoma or a Texas. I don't know. So there weren't a lot of hills, but, um, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, and, and there's a guy who would wear overalls, I think with no shirt and they'd drive a truck out there and then be these little cabins and people from all over the country, like an investment banker or something like that would come down and on this like trip and they'd stay in the cabin. And then this, the guide who I guess is the hillbilly hand fisher, would take him out to some muddy creek uh, and they would uh, they would wade into these creeks with, you know, and inevitably in the B-roll, there would be snakes and frogs and all kinds of stuff. Right. And, uh, and, and the idea is that you're fishing for catfish, but you know how you, hish, you, know, you, know how you fish for these things. Yeah, you, you got to guess. You got to get down and, well, with your hands is, uh, would be the, the logical guess, but... I think I've seen this. We have to get down very low into the water and mm-hmm. put yeah. your hand in a whole muddy hole. You and... put your hand in a hole and you wait for the thing to latch on. Right. And then you pull it out. And maybe you stick a toe in there. Maybe you stick a toe. Mm. Um, so I don't know. This is, so is Duck Dynasty like that? Uh, I don't not, know. Is why it like do you that keep, with ducks? Why do you keep asking me questions that you know the answer to? I, I don't know the answer to this. You, but you do because you you asked me if I'd seen it, and I explained that I hadn't seen it, that I'd just seen clips. So why do you imagine you that I would be, know the answer to the question? Because about, you came back with all kinds of information that was new yeah, to but me. But I'm, I, I'm trying but to plumb the depths and figure out where there's more. I'm just part of the culture. I'm trying to figure out what went on with this crazy interview the other day, and so I've been seeing some news items mm-hmm. about the show, but I don't have a detailed. Uh, write up of what the content of the various episodes i don't know if they've hand fished maybe they have maybe maybe, let's we'll get viewer mail about this but uh in any event um you know the beautiful thing about this it doesn't matter what it's about for our purposes what what doesn't what what's about it it doesn't matter what duck dynasty is about what the show is about so the guy says something offensive to a lot of people and other people embrace it because it's like you know it's at the the flashpoint of a dying culture war this one about acceptance of, of gays and transgender folks, right? So it's like, you know, there's still a large group of people out there who have a problem with this, but most of them are older, dying, or changing minds as they get to know more gay people, right? So this is, it's, we're seeing the dying embers of a, of a very important culture war for some people. And he says something uh, which is offensive to a lot of people about gays, uh, um, uh, but, you know, either, you know, I, I don't know what he said, so I'm not even going to try because I don't have it in front of me. Um, but the upshot is that the, the what, A&E fires him, right? Indefinite, what do they do exactly? What, indefinite in, hiatus. <clears throat> Does that mean there are going to be no more uh, Ducks dynasties? Or It's not clear because they, they put this particular individual on, quote, indefinite hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's only one person in the show. There yeah, but he's the only the one in the show, I'm sure, who has these views. The rest are progressive about these things, right? <laughs> is that right? Uh, I'm sure that's not right, but well, I don't he's know. the only we one don't who know. gave this interview in GQ mm-hmm. who said these outrageous things about, and I just want to repeat what I said before because yeah, 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 I yeah. think it's important. It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not merely that he said things about gay and lesbian people that are somewhat shocking um, and vile. Uh, he said other things that are shocking and vile about other groups of 
people who aren't right. white male Louisiana <laughs> straight Christian duck, right. hun- duck call makers. Yeah, I, I saw something about that. And, you know, we're not going to dwell on this because, again, it's not really relevant to what I want to talk about. But the um, the uh, the things that he said about um, African-Americans were uh, what I read was not condemnatory in the same way it was about uh, gay, gays and lesbians. It was but it was uh, kind of a, a highly revisionist history of the joyous life that that uh, African-Americans led in the South until the coming of welfare. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah. It, the, 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 that, that basically the happy slave, he's, he's reviving the happy slave narrative, which he calls a pre-entitlement, pre-welfare. Right. People. The kind of a Jim Crow wasn't so bad kind of thing. Oh no, it was happy. It's not that it wasn't so bad. It was happy. No one sang the blues. Yeah, and I uh, so I mentioned this just to, to, you know so these this is the the um, uh, that's in short the kind of thing that he said and the reaction to me so they put him on indefinite hiatus and there was a uh, a a pretty you know it's gotten to be a big deal people were talking about it like Sarah Palin came out against yeah, it. The all back- the usual kind of you know the, the, the war on christmas folks came out uh, um yeah, to, to talk about this issue correct so. to the for the backlash against the backlash and at the the initial wave was that you know that this violates his free speech this is a kind of speech code <laughs> <clears throat> violates his freedom of speech, I should say. And um, and then, you know, the reaction is predictable, and I think everybody listening to this podcast already knows the the answer to this, but, you know, that uh, this was not government censorship, and so the First Amendment, as a lot of people would say, has no application. Yeah, the notion would be A&E, which owns the network on which this television show appears, uh, is footing the bill uh, in the production of this show and gets to decide as a private party who it wants to have on its show and who it doesn't want to have on its show. Right. And, and, and in making that decision, they'll of course think about things like will advertisers be willing to buy slots on a show that features a person who has these views that he's made clear in this interview. And it may be that they could sell more ads and maybe they could sell fewer ads. Who knows? Not me, I'm not in the business, so I don't know. But you would think normally you'd say, well, that's how the market works. Private parties will make decisions about what they do and don't want to put on their television programs to attract viewers who are drawn to the advertisers and vice versa. So, yeah, where's the state in that? There and, isn't The, the right. state doesn't appear to be acting in an obvious fashion. So the state's not there, and what's more, a private party uh, is not really free if it can't pick and choose what it wants to say. Right, so I'm not really free if I can't pick and choose who I want to have over my house for dinner, and if I can't pick and choose my friends and and the kinds of messages that I want to send, then I'm not really free. And so, being able to pick and choose is uh, is inherent in 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 freedom itself. And so, um, uh, the fact that I don't have to abide by the First Amendment um, is really part of my First Amendment right. I mean, does it trouble you at all that uh, that A and E is no, is doing that. I mean, it doesn't really trouble me, but I, I, I you know, like I, I've written about before, it's, um, it's not, it's not a simple argument 
that just because the government is not involved, there's right. not a there's not a a First Amendment issue because there sometimes is right. in the old, you know Marsh versus Alabama is sure such a case. Uh, but secondly, it doesn't mean that even though even if the First Amendment is not implicated, that the freedom of speech is not implicated. And indeed, there there are statutes and um, uh, and other bits of law which which do kind of limit the ability of a private party to restrict another party's freedom of expression. Um, and that's a much more difficult question. I, I wonder what you think about this case, though. The the principal reason why it doesn't particularly trouble me that A&E is making that choice about who it does and doesn't want on its show, uh, and where, and, and the reason why I might have been a lot more troubled about it 30 or 40 years ago is that if he wants to express himself about these views, um, it's never been easier for him to do that. Uh, you know, Glenn Beck starts a new channel on the internet and there are so many venues for people to express the views they want to express, find an audience, including a paying audience. So if he, the guy who is in this family and who as up to now been on this television show, if he decides he's got a message and he wants to get it out there and other people want to hear that message, it's never been easier for him to do it and for people to find him and enjoy it and listen to it and learn from it as they wish. So it's in that context, it's a little bit hard for me to get worked up about the notion that, well, it seems like what A&E is doing is fundamentally unfair to him. I don't, that's not how it strikes me. It strikes me that they're making a decision about how they want to use their resources and, uh, and that decision that they make and that others will make about how to use their own resources. This guy, other people, people who want to hear what he has to say, people who don't want to hear what he has to say, that'll all kind of jostle around and maybe people will stop watching A&E shows who, because they were fans of him and they don't like the fact that A&E did this. And maybe other people will start watching A&E shows because gosh, yeah, and they, that just shows they, that the, right. But there'll be, so there'll be lots of jostling around, but, but it, it I, I don't see where it implicates uh, the need to, to say, well, is there going to be something, is something going to be dysfunctional about letting all those individual actors make those decisions? I don't see it. I don't see the problem. Right. How would you feel if, if A&E had uh, fired him uh, because he were Muslim? Well, um, put aside any statutes that forbid that for a second. Well, I think if they, um, if they said, well, we're, we're hiring and firing folks because of their religious identity, um, obviously that, that does start to raise issues that, that make you think there could be dysfunctions that affect other people, that it's not just what these individual actors are deciding. Well, isn't this that? I mean, you know, you can quibble with his biblical interpretations and his kind of very selective application of Leviticus. And, but but no, I, his religion is basically a, a patriarchal, one man, one woman, do things in a certain way religion right and um and and it doesn't matter whether it corresponds to the to the to the any particular text he's saying it corresponds to his reading of the bible whatever i don't care uh but isn't this a no a religious issue i don't i not no um in in as much as he could talk about all manner of things having nothing to do with these core religious beliefs uh asking him not to talk about 
those core religious beliefs doesn't affect his ability to hold or not hold those religious beliefs. So I think there's a, a fairly practical and, and worthwhile you're making, an, you're making an identity speech distinction. I, I am in a way that I think is pragmatic and practical in this in this context. Yeah, the, and you realize there are line drawing problems and you're saying, yeah, I know there are, but you know, yeah. pragmatically we can at least do this. Right, and, 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 the, and I think the proof that that's the case is there are probably a lot of people who appear on lots of programs on A&E and other networks that hold a wide range of religious beliefs uh, and who know that those beliefs aren't the topic of the program and therefore aren't discussed in their work for A&E or, or any other network. I mean, a, an anchor on CNN probably doesn't need to launch into a seminar about how to interpret the 23rd Psalm in the middle of delivering a news report about you know, the eruption of a volcano off the coast of Japan. Well, like, so just what, read what, the news. What if they, but what if, what if they're recorded doing that at some venue? Not not in their workplace. Yeah, and and I and I think uh, on the basis of the individuals expressing those individual things, uh, CNN has to make a business decision about you know whether or not that person saying those things can make comports make sense with what CNN's business is. Yeah, and but and then that moves us toward trying to get a handle on what we want the freedom of speech to mean in the United States. And um, uh, we know at the very least it means no government censorship. And what no government censorship means is the subject of large tomes of books and, and court decisions where government's making all kinds of decisions for all kinds of reasons. And sometimes it's a violation, sometimes it's not. Uh, and, and then we have these troubling cases where we have private entities which make decisions based on speech. And we have to decide whether, in fact, despite their private status, they're a state actor. And we decide eh, that also as a violation of free speech. That's a very, very rare case. Um, but we also want a functioning speech market. And this makes us concerned, you know, this desire may make us concerned about consolidation of media companies, sure. about uh, powerful private actors or semi-powerful private actors taking action against people because of their speech. I remember I was in, uh, maybe it was when I was in high school, I had this guy that I knew from Europe who was kind of complaining about the U.S. or uh, in a um, yeah, he loved the U.S. But but what he didn't like was the kind of um, continued exaltation of freedom in the United States. This value, as if it were not known anywhere else in the world. You know that um, the U.S. was more free than anywhere else. And in, in a lot of ways, I we might be. Um, but his point was, um, if you think you're so free, try going out and telling everybody you know that you're a communist, and then try to find a job. Right. I mean, that is a sense you know, to the extent you can't do that. In a sense, you are not completely free. A but, resonant, but no one's free in any society. Right? A more resonant example might be tell tell people you're an atheist and try to get a job. I, but, yeah, this was back. You see, this was back when I was young. So this is we're talking 50s, 60s here. <laughs> right. I, I think one of the reasons we don't feel bothered about it is because we don't think that um we well, don't think this excludes this guy from society altogether. There, no. there are still plenty of outlets in which the, these views will be accepted. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, he, there's going to be a huge boycott against these duck calls. Um, it's this, the idea is this, this one opportunity that he's kept out of and not like every opportunity. Yes. Uh, and the fact that 
there's a particular broadcaster, a particular person who produces television content who um, has made a decision about who it does and doesn't want appearing in the programs that it's making, uh, leaves open the possibility that there are lots of other folks producing lots of other programs that could feature this person if they wanted to. Um, And indeed, we're in a technological era where the barriers to entry for producing content like that are as low as they've ever been. So it, it, that's reason to be even less concerned that he wouldn't be able to find a way to very publicly share his views, which if he wants to share them, I urge him to do. I mean, I, as abhorrent as I personally find them, I think, hey, there's lots of ways you can share your views. Go out and share them. That's totally awesome. By the same token, that's the phrase, right? Uh, by the same token, um, others can express their displeasure to A&E. And so this argument that um, this is not a First Amendment issue or this is not a free speech issue because A&E is not the government, right, is is legally correct, but is kind of politically beside the point, right? Uh, um, in other words, yes, it's a market, and markets make decisions based on the preferences of the consumers in that market. And to the extent A&E is making a decision out of principle as a company or out of whatever the reason is, um, that works well only if, you know, the customers have some voice in this, right? Um, and so that's yeah. one of the reasons we're okay with it because, you know, if, you know, I guess if a big company publicly fired somebody because they expressed, you know, I don't know, uh, agreement with some presidential policy or disagreement, then, you know, they would suffer or benefit in the marketplace for that. I think that's true. And I think that the way that differs from a concern about uh, a company saying, we we won't hire people who subscribe to this religious belief or this, or members of this religious group or faith tradition or what have you, um, is that that seems to be, that's an assertion that seems to be both much less directly connected to a valid assessment about, you know, this is the show we're trying to make. And, and so a person who says this in an interview with GQ magazine, we have problems with, as opposed to a person who has this whole set of beliefs as in, in essence has this kind of status is somehow inconsistent. Like it's both more distant from a valid concern about the content of a show and more troubling about the fact that if not only this company, but a, but a large number of companies start to systematically exclude people in a particular religious group or a particular racial group or whatever, you start to threaten what you mentioned before about, well, now I'm, now you're sort of creating a system for making people outcasts. Yeah. And that's just, profoundly troubling in a way that is so different to me categorically because it has an effect on so many more people and at so many more levels because that's exactly my point right that you know the general theory is that when a market actor creates eh, basically the equivalent the equivalent of legislation you know is able to put in place a rule which is compulsory in a way on other people right then you have uh, at that point slipped the bounds of what contract is able to do well, right? And right. moved into something that we normally let legislators do. Right. And we govern legislators with an entirely separate set of rules. Right. Um, precisely because they are agents of other people. 
right? We can't rely on the voluntary nature of contract to do a lot of the work we want to do with ensuring that people are made better off. Um, yeah, and so for example, something that's closer to my own experience of the stuff I teach sort of year in and year out, we, we, we might have one set of concerns if we've got a software company that is writing a license uh, for a client who's going to use that software that was made uniquely for that client and that isn't sold to anyone else, isn't used by anybody else, a, a tailor-made contract between that software producer and the software user. And I have one set of concerns in that area. We might have a totally different set of concerns about a software maker who uh, releases a piece of software to the general public on an app store <coughs> and has in its standard end-user license agreement a term that people purport to agree to by clicking on something. They probably don't even know about it. Um, but that purports to kind of fundamentally change the status of the person who's using the software. Like a whole different, you, as I'm guessing, people would have a very different set of concerns and questions about that situation than about the first situation. I think that's exactly right. And, this will and be, they should. This will be the topic for a future show for sure. Um, uh, that that uh, um, the contracts that no one reads. Um. But what I was what I was trying I mean, to point out there wasn't the don't read part as much as it was the uh, applies more like a statute than like a tailor made pri right. private law for two no, parties right and, and that's I was trying to be a little bit you know too brief there but that's exactly the point you know when you are making a lengthy contract uh, that basically will govern the relationship and you expect the other side just to agree to it that anyone who agrees to it will not have read it. Um, and so this is not a bargain for situation. Right. Essentially, you're creating a law which will govern, like all contracts create laws, except, you know, unlike the contract of old that people think about, you know, the hammered out deal, the handshake and all that, this is a, a one-sided piece of legislation. Right. Uh, which, when it's to the advantage of the more powerful party, they will try to deploy it to their benefit, uh, to the surprise of the other party. Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's uh, a topic that I think, you know, that'll be a full show, because there's a lot of interesting empirical research about whether they actually do that. There are theories about why it's okay to give unilateral, mm -hmm. uh, at least drafting power to one side. Because but you however you come out on those yeah. issues, I think we could all agree that they raise, it's a fundamentally different menu of issues and questions that you're asking and talking about exactly, compared yeah. to the uh, license between the maker of a piece of software for one single company that's tailor-made to that company. Right. Totally different set of concerns. Yeah. So And, and that's... Um, uh, so that to me is like... That the second thing, the the end user license agreement that everyone clicks on without reading, that's more like the set of concerns you would have if uh, one company, then a, then many companies, then companies in many industrial sectors start systematically saying we won't hire people who are Muslim or right because you're again you're affecting so many more people at so many different levels and creating you're, you're actually starting to mess with the organic nature of the of the body politic and the culture well and in, and a, in a profoundly different way kind of one rhetorical move that i use to explain this in, in the article right is that um that we agreed to do collective things in certain ways we agreed that when we act collectively we will abide by the freedom of speech by the equal protection of the laws um uh, we will do things in a certain way and um and, and when the, when we say, oh boy, we're, that's inconvenient for us because we really want to do this other thing we can't do, such as racially zone back in the early 20th century, right? So we want to uh, have 
uh, uh, African-Americans on one side of the town and whites on the other side. And, uh, and, and, you know, we've got the Equal Protection Clause. It says you can't do that through zoning laws. And so people try to get around that after uh, racist zoning was struck down through covenants. Mm-hmm. And so basically we'll have these private contracts which run with the land and bind uh, landowners even after uh, the original parties have left. So we will have these covenants and contracts which will prevent people from ever selling this land to uh, an African-American or vice versa, depending on where. But generally, they were white neighborhoods which right. kept out uh, African-Americans. Yep. And you replicate that over a large enough scale, and voila, through the market, now you have the equivalent of racist zoning, and it's contract, it's enforced by the courts. And, uh, and, and indeed, that was the problem, and it led the court to strike that down, finding that despite the fact that these were private contracts, uh, because it went through a court, it was state action and an opinion which makes no sense on its, uh, uh, you know, formally, um, because all private contracts are enforced by courts uh, right. to the extent they're enforced by courts. Um, but, but, that, but that pattern exhibited exactly the problem that you're talking about. Um, private decisions all pointing in a uniform way, replicated over a large area, which create the perfect equivalent of uh, compulsory legislation. And what's even more troubling in the instance you raise uh, from history is that it's an instance where it's it should be perfectly obvious to everyone who's paying the slightest bit of attention that the people who are using these, quote, private agreements are trying explicitly to make an end run around an obstacle that was put in their path earlier. Yeah, in other and, words, it was precisely because their effort to use conventional public legislation failed that they have been motivated to try to use these private agreements to achieve the same objective. So it's it's exacerbate the problem is exacerbated because you know they're trying to do something you've already said can't be done. Yeah, and I I think those are the easier cases where you have collect you know that's the white primary cases and uh, where you have an explicit attempt to make an end run. And you have what looks like collective machinery, right? Yeah. The machinery of representative lawmaking um, but that was being cl- deployed through a market. Those are the easiest cases. I think it's a little bit more difficult, though, when you look at disaggregated but uniformly um, directed decisions. And by that, I mean, we'll take your example of, of um, let's say you've got a place with not many atheists in it, and you just come out as an atheist and you can't get a job. Um or uh, you're not invited to join any of the, you know, community organizations. Basically, you're frozen out. There's uh, what, what we know is that um, uh, that that government itself cannot um, uh, cannot engage in a civic excommunication, as the <laughs> Supreme Court has put it, right? Uh, right. And, and so it can't take actions that that you know either by advancing a particular religion or discriminating against yours that kind of throw you out of civic life on account of your religion or non-inclusion in a favored religion. Um, and yet, that kind of civic excommunication is worked without government uh, when everybody makes decisions a certain way. You can't come into the bar. Uh, can't um, Restaurant doesn't serve you or gives you worse service. Uh, no place will hire you. And, and government decides, eh, we're not going to pass a religious accommodations law or religious inclusion law. There's something wrong with that? Is there a constitutional requirement that we have a regulation of, of private markets to forbid that? You see, in, in the logic of the constitutional um, prohibition is that without it, 
legislators might well reflect majoritarian views and either unthinkingly or worse, explicitly, um, you know, put too much burden on minority groups or uh, try to keep them out in kind of cartel-like fashion. I mean, right. this is a standard kind of representation reinforcement theory that that's what we do with constitutional rights. We reinforce the, you know, representation of, of otherwise powerless minorities who right. would be consistent losers in the legislative system, not one-off losers. And if that's also true of the private market, and we can actually do a whole bunch of the uh, um, we can actually replicate a whole bunch of the uh, cartel-like features we could achieve with public regulation, um, then does the logic of the constitutional principle not extend to requiring government to regulate private entities or to recognizing that our public commitment to equality and neutrality is actually being violated when we do this collectively, even if it is not coordinated? Right. And maybe one response is that Without coordination, you can't do these things. But I'm not so sure about that. Well, I'm definitely not sure about that. I would say, you know, it's funny. One answer is the common law tradition, I think, suggests that the answer to your question is yes. Uh, in the sense that uh, the the common law uh, ideas about common carriage and innkeepers and the, the sorts of uh, public service obligations that people who, uh, and I think the, the sort of doctrinal, you know, a public calling, this, these, this kind of language in cases from the 1700s and 1800s was an effort to get at this idea that, wait a minute, when you decide to go into that line of work, running an inn, running a grain elevator, this kind of stuff, <laughs> um, you can't exclude people uh, arbitrarily um, where, you know, for some value of arbitrary that you would want to talk about because it's suddenly socially salient or relevant or what have you, um, it, you can't exclude people arbitrarily, is getting at this intuition that the notion that it's, and again, there's no assumption of coordination. Uh, it's, uh, but what we say is when you're in this kind of business, um, the effective our, our effective social life requires you to serve all comers. Um, Otherwise, the person can't participate. Right. That's the, right. The word social means something. You, yeah. you, you, and you, for those of us who teach property, you know, one of the famous cases is the Houston case. If any of my students are listening, they're going to get flashbacks now that, you know, so they might have to discontinue listening for a while just to kind of recover. Uh, but this used to, this is a card counter. It's in Jersey. They the casino wants to keep out a famous card counter. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And there are a couple of grounds. One about the comprehensive regulatory scheme, which means that like uh, um, private entities can't kind of make up their own rules. But the the the, the relevant ground here is that um, uh, there is a general requirement of reasonableness for a public accommodation, not just a common carrier, but kind of any store and, and there's a principle here about yeah. you know, kind of a sliding scale like the more you throw your doors open to the public right. at large the less you can pick and choose uh who comes in but that the public combination stuff is just an expansion at, at, of the common carriage idea i mean it's that's it's all rooted in the same thing yeah and, and, and what's interesting there is that the the houston court actually said that you know this concept of reasonableness court enforced reasonableness for public accommodations is an old idea which was uh dropped by the wayside um, because basically because of Jim Crow, 
right? Uh, in other words, courts wanted to give support and legislatures wanted to give support to private efforts to maintain what the 14th Amendment seemed to say they could not maintain and therefore interpreted the right to exclude as much more absolute than it had ever been before in the common law. And that's why they say, well, common carrier was, uh, uh, yes, was there, but in fact, the principle of reasonable inclusion was um, was much broader than had been understood before. Yeah, and it, and I think uh, if you if you went, I haven't done this, but my guess is that if you went and looked at a body of English cases in a in a milieu where people are not worried about uh, establishing and reinforcing a system of apartheid, as you know, with the vigor with which that white supremacist approach to life was pursued here in the United States, um, you would see every cases about common carriage and public accommodation that would have that kind of open texture and breadth and dovetail quite nicely with the idea as you've laid it out that uh, it's not just a constraint on government, it's a constraint on private actors too. Yeah, and I guess to bring it back, you know, I'm just not so concerned about this case. Um, I, as you say, I think this guy's got no shortage of venues, uh, to spread his views. What's more, uh, A&E's own judgment is subject to market discipline. And to the extent people are outraged, go ahead, call him up. Let's, you know, let's right. see what happens. The market seems to be in a position to process this kind of question. And it may not be a complete answer, but it seems awfully close to a complete answer. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. further things to discuss and think about and, but, but, when you recognize the po- the points you just made, it just seems like yeah that 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 covers an awful lot of the ground at issue here. Yeah, and and so I'm I'm trying not to bore people because you know I've written about this and and we could talk more analytically about the public private distinction and state action here, and we're not going to do it right now. We've gotten a little bunch of ideas out on the table, right? Because this was only we can one come of back the to things it. you wanted to talk about. Something else, then you also had questions. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We're not we're not nearly done yet. Oh my gosh, we're ne- we're nearly done. You said you had questions for me. I do have a question for you. You said you had multiple questions for me. Yeah, we'll probably just do one. I think we only have time for one. You think we have time for more? No, I'm waiting to hear the question. I'm not going to... You said you have a question. What's the damn question? Joe? That's where you, that's where you say yes. I can't hear that. that that's where you say yes. You say, what? Joe? Yes. Who is your hero? Who is my hero? I don't understand. So are you asking if anyone's ever saved me from a burning building? I, I just asked what I asked. If this could, could that have been a question at like, uh, in some class at like, uh, on comparative literature at St. John's? <laughs> is that possible? No. It does seem like the kind of thing that could be an open-ended. I don't know. I think if it were, if it, so if it were a St. John's question, it would be um, uh, not who is your hero or who was your hero. It would be something more like, uh, does this story have a hero? Great. So now I asked a crap question. No. I, I get it. I well, asked a crap question. Well, you didn't ask a crap question on the basis that it was not what I would have heard if I were sitting at a, in a class back in St. John's. I do think your question was crappy, but yeah, that's great. not why I think it's crappy. Why do you think it's crappy? Because it's it's underspecified to the point where it's not conducive to fun conversation. 
So I'd like you to try again. Did you see? Did you see that um, the jujitsu I just pulled there, though? No, because you thought the question was who's your hero. The real question is why is that a bad question? Why is what a bad question? Why is who's your hero a bad question? That was the real question. You answered it. Gold. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> this Done. Is, this is all so important that I don't recognize any of what's just happened or why it's worthwhile. Yeah, you got to keep up. So why don't you explain it? I think we're out of time. <laughs> I, think we, I think we're probably out of time. Are you, cri- are you criticizing me because I asked you to look at a list of questions, one, one of which was, who is your hero? No, that was the question I was going to ask. Oh. That was the question I was going to ask. And, but, but you see, really the question, you know, really the question is, why is, what's wrong with that question? That's not a fun thing to talk about. Hmm. Why, why, why don't you it, ask me a question why is that's that? fun why is that, to talk about? Why is that about? not fun to talk about? I don't know. Ooh. Why don't you ask me a question that's... And then, just, and then that's the question. <laughs> Inception. So why, why, don't you, <laughs> why don't you ask me a question that's fun to talk about? Okay. Okay. What did you think of Shutter Island? That was really great. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I do thought you, it was an awesome do movie. On, do you remember on the first iteration of this podcast? It is not. Do you remember the first iteration of this podcast? It was for my modern legal theory class. And okay. you were nice enough, despite having you know no official role with the class. And I did the readings for that class, to, Yes, too. To, to, to record a series of podcasts. That was very fun. Students. We had, we had a, great you know, fun. And we I had, enjoyed we had, doing the readings, and yeah, I learned a lot. We had, we had literally, like, halves of listeners. <laughs> Several halves of listeners. Several halves. Um, uh, but this question, I think this came up. I think I asked you about Shutter Island then. And, and your response was, why don't you shut up about Shutter Island? You won't shut Kind of like the way people roll their eyes every time I mention Upstream Color now. Yeah, no, exactly like that. Yeah, but now that you've seen it and you know yeah. that I was right. You were right that Shutter Island is, a, is an awesome movie fantastic movie it is a movie that you you see that movie and it's difficult to think about how you might improve it right what you might do that was better it it can't be this is this is like i'm not sure that it can't be but i think it's very challenging to identify a way in which and uh, any obvious way in which you would improve it it. is because it can't be improved it is God. I do. <laughs> isn't that isn't that how that goes? I remember. I forget my See, philosophy. Who, who's, is, whose theorem is that? It's Saint Anselm's. Uh, that's Saint it. Anselm's. Pros, uh, 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 I think it was called the Proslogium. Was it called? Or, I don't know. Uh, I don't. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, Saint Anselm's proof uh, for the existence of God. Uh, God is that which with that that than which nothing greater can be conceived, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God is that than which nothing greater can be conceived. I'm I'm interested um, in getting viewer mail about that, but I think it's one of the dumbest things I read. Saint Anselm's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to Shadow Island, though. Okay, yeah, because I think that in my philosophy class, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that there is a deb- there is a reasonable debate you could have about whether or not Leonardo DiCaprio was the right person to cast in that lead role. I can imagine somebody saying the wrong thing about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I could imagine okay. a debate about it. Yeah. Do you want to ask a different version of the hero question that is actually a good version of that question? Or were you just trying to do something else that I haven't yet figured out? No, I mean, wh- why is, um, uh, in, in American film, why is Martin, Martin Scorsese a hero because of Shutter Island? <laughs> it is you know that i think it's the greatest american film 
I did not know that. I did not know you were prepared to say that. I, I will go that far. It's okay. the greatest American film. Cool. I've written about this. You know this. And You've I never, it, you don't ever read anything that I write. That's not true. Um, I read a lot of things that you write. Um, and I remember... I wouldn't either if I weren't me. And I remember a share of them, although probably not all of them. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I would say that American film is too, too large and, and varied a set... To choose a second place. I get it. I get it. (laughs) 